Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Owen the Saints, your podcast dedicated to everything Southampton FC. I'm your host, Patrick Sirs. With me on this dark, dark evening is my co-host, Jack Sirs. Jack, I ask you how you're doing every single week. <laughs> I'm going to ask you again, but I think I know the answer. This is one of the lowest I've ever felt, Pat. We and are... I'm not even I'm not even joking. This is low. <laughs> We've had some real high points doing this podcast, but sitting here on a Tuesday night dissecting a nine-nil defeat at Old Trafford is pretty fucking bleak. We've been very fortunate in the kind of eleven months we've been doing this podcast to to have some really, really memorable moments. Um the Man City win, the Liverpool win just a month ago. But as you say, we are sitting here about 30 minutes after the final whistle at Old Trafford. A 9-0 defeat for Saints, down to 10 men after about 90 seconds and then ending the match with nine men. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. The second time in as many seasons that we've lost 9-0. Obviously, hugely, hugely embarrassing. Jack, where do you want to start? Well, I mean, there's only one place to start, isn't it? It's the red card after 70 or so seconds for Alex Jankovic. That, I... I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was almost like, is this actually happening mm. at the start? We'll say at the top, obviously there was a lot of talk before the game about who was refereeing. Mike Dean, who was on VAR for the Villa game when obviously we got shafted a little bit. Three extremely marginal... A little bit. A little bit. Three marginal VAR decisions all going against us. He was the referee at Old Trafford and obviously his best mate, Lee Mason, was the fourth official. So those two... Again, so soon after Saturday, you just knew something was going to happen. I didn't think it would blow up in quite the way it did. And to be honest, to be completely honest, I'm going to have a go at Mike Dean on this podcast, but I'm not going to have a go at him for that decision to send off Jankovic after 90 seconds or whatever it was. What was your immediate reaction when those studs went flying over the top of McTominay, landing basically on his thigh? Yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to kind of think what to make of Alex Jankovic because he's obviously a player that, like we said in the last podcast, so highly rated and obviously backs himself massively because he put in that transfer request and he thinks he should be playing first-team football. So he's got so much confidence, but I don't know whether it was just that kind of nervous energy when you're playing your first game or you're just you know not concentrating or, or something, but it was a completely heads-gone moment. As soon as he did it, there was only one option for Mike Dean and that was go- to go to his back pocket he needs no reason to go to his back pocket but, <laughs> he I loves mean, that he loves it but that was an absolutely nailed on red card you just see from the reactions of every single player and Ralph Hassan and all the coaches it was just no complaints Stuart Armstrong you could see him was like head in his hands just like what is what has just happened here and you know you start to think, you start to worry at that point because any team going down to 10 men, some teams are quite good at doing that, but for some reason, we don't seem to work on that in the training pitch or something. It was exactly the same as Leicester last year, which was a bit of a joke. I was going to come to it a little bit later on, but I might mention it now actually anyway, because what you've just said there has made me think a little bit about, obviously, Jankovic, we don't know him too much. We've barely seen him. This was his his full debut. And... You're probably right. It probably was nervous energy. But to what extent does it speak to maybe a little bit of a vacuum of leadership within the squad? I mean, this is the second time now we've lost 9-0. 
you'd think we'd learn lessons from the Leicester game. Similar situation, Ryan Bertrand getting sent off after nine or ten minutes and we completely collapsed. Now, Ralph's tactics, we can discuss those as well because he's had the opportunity. We've been through this before. It happened again and it seems like we've learned nothing and it seemed like, I know what you're going to say, Ralph didn't have many options. You look at that bench and how is he going to change it and that's completely fair enough. But I'd question his management on the game and I'd also question a leadership amongst the squad. Like who was standing up there and saying, all right, lads, we've got 85 minutes now. We've just got to keep it tight. We just not get, get embarrassed. It didn't really seem to be the case that that happened at all. No, no, it's a good point. And you go, you, you know, you go through the players that are on the pitch there and obviously James Ward-Prowse is the captain and yeah, he put, he put in an okay performance, but he definitely wasn't standing up, you know, being the leader of that team and shouting at players to get in shape and and things like that. He seemed like he was just letting the game pass him by. And when the goal when the goals were flying in, it was a head down kind of trudge back to the centre circle and wait for the next one to go in. And you know, Danny Ings again. He you look at him as one of the senior pros and maybe someone to take a bit of leadership, but he didn't really show much. Shea Adams is showing a different kind of leadership, I suppose. He's not very vocal, but he was given 110%. I think he's one of the only real players that could kind of leave the pitch with their head held high, in my opinion, because you know, he's unlucky to have a goal disallowed, but I thought he put in a great shift. Um, but I know Ryan, what you mean. Ryan it was just Bertrand did another Ryan, Ber- another, Ryan Bertrand. Yeah. You want players like that to really stand up. It's true. We, you know, Arsenal get a lot of criticism, and they have over recent years where they just kind of fold and collapse, and they have a lack of leadership on the pitch, and they get red cards, and it seems like they don't react to it. And it, it did look exactly the same for us today. It's just you made me think of that, just because like that's one of those situations when you've got like Jankovic making his debut in central midfield. We discussed it on Saturday. Well, we were chatting on Sunday, but we discussed it after the Villa game and said that this is a massive moment for him going up against, if he did start, going up against Pogba, um, didn't actually be the case, going up against McTominay. This was huge for him. Now, you'd like to think that someone would put their arm around his shoulder and just like keep him calm in the dressing room before. You're obviously going to be extremely nervous. You're obviously going to be fired up massively and want to make an impression. It just struck me as maybe that was, and we're speculating here, obviously, but... Who's that leader that's going to do that? Is it James Ward-Prowse? Is he going to put his arm around that shoulder of that 19-year-old that's starting and say, come on, let's get through the first five minutes. Let's get that touch right in the first five minutes and let's build into the game. Or was he left completely on his own and he's just like a bundle of absolute energy and he's just gone flying into a tackle 90 seconds in and Mm. we're down to 10 men. And then from there, it's another conversation about leadership and who's stepping up. And it's just, it's, we can come on to blaming Mike Dean and criticising the referee's decisions because there's plenty to criticise later on. But I just think in that first half, you can't criticise the red card and you can criticise us for just a complete absence of leadership. That's what it looked like to me anyway. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And on on Jankovic, I think, again, it's only speculation because we've only got, you know, reports and stuff like that in terms of what's happened. But... It is interesting the fact that he did hand in that transfer request, and yep. you know you never know what what the kind of morale is like in the squad. Usually, you've got young players that the senior pros will want to put their arm around and will want to guide them into the game. But who knows? There might be an element of this lad is a bit too big for his boots. I don't, again, it's purely speculation, but it did seem like when he did get sent off, no one was going over to him. It was more just like everyone was looking with their head in their hands, going, "Oh my god, this lad's actually fully done us over here." So. Fingers crossed that you know he does have a Saints career and he is you know a top player, but it's not a, it's not a brilliant start. 
we were bigging him up, weren't we? And on on Sunday, saying that he could, you know, it's a massive opportunity for him. And I don't think there are many worse debuts in football. It's going to be tough to come back from handing. It was tough to come back from handing a transfer request. Circumstances allowed him to do that, and then yeah, it's going to be tough to come back from that. Um, VAR. Now VAR, whether you like it or not, overall it said that you're going to get some decisions some week, and then you won't get them the next week. We've now had back-to-back games, five decisions, very marginal decisions go against us. We've already discussed the three against Villa. The goal for Che Adams, offside by, I'm not sure what, again, similar to Ings, a millimetre, if that. Actually, disgrace. I'd I'd urge anyone to go on a Twitter account um, while listening to this, because I did tweet a little screenshot of the offside decision and can't get my head around it. The way they've drawn the lines, you can literally see I think it's Fred or maybe Martial's got his left foot and Shea Adams' knee is behind. It's so clear it's behind and they've drawn the line in front of where Shea Adams is. It just doesn't make sense. And it seemed like, again, like we were talking about against Aston Villa, they were trying to find any way to disallow the goal. That was it. I mean, it's important to say it's pretty... Well, actually, it's turned out, it's pretty... In the, in the grand scheme of the result, absolutely meaningless, really. But of in course. terms of the the 9-0 and the way that looks, it makes a big difference to get that one goal. It makes <laughs> yeah, a massive as difference. As sad as, as sad as it is to say it does. It makes a huge difference, Pat, because we're 4-0 down at that point. That that takes us to 4-1. We've actually played very, very well at the start of that second half where we were, you know, I think it was 20 minutes or so where we didn't concede, which is a massive amount of time in that game. And to, to bring it back to 4-1, another 15, 20 minutes could go by and you could lose 4 or 5-1. And that game kind of gets brushed under the carpet with a red card and you get done. Now, this is a thing. We've lost 9-0. This is a huge, huge thing that's, you know, hanging over us. Yeah, I mean, and for all those people that were tweeting, like, why are they still mentioning the 9-0? I feel like we've brought it on ourselves a little bit because <laughs> it's only <laughs> going to get a whole lot worse now. Um, for it to oh. happen twice in two seasons, get ready for a whole lot more mentions of the 9-0. The second VAR decision, um, absolutely speechless. I was when, first of all, the penalty was given. I thought it was... One of the most blatant dives you will see in the Premier League. Fine, Mike Dean bought it, points to the spot, fair enough. VAR, goes to VAR, he's told to have a look at it. And at that point, I'm thinking, if there's one referee that's not going to change his mind and not going to admit that he got something wrong, it's Mike Dean. Mm. He's just, that's, just, uh, that's just the way he is, I think. He goes to the monitor. Not only does he think that it's still a penalty... He decides to double down and upgrade it to a red card. I mean, on of all of the decisions I've watched in the Premier League and in football generally, and that's a lot of football, I can't think of a more baffling piece of refereeing than that. And we can discuss that, but we've also got to say now, Jan Bednarak, that's out for three games. We, That's a disaster. We need to appeal that. We we need to appeal that. <laughs> it's an absolute disaster. We've got Newcastle away next. Um, and Yannick Vestergaard, I mean, is it a case we have to rush him back now for that game? Is Jack Stevens and somebody? The last I heard on Vestergaard was one to two weeks, so unlikely to be fit for the Newcastle game. But I guess before we get on to that, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that decision. For me, there's two things that we need to discuss with this decision. One is the foul, 
and we need to say, is it actually a foul? Anthony Martial is going down. As soon as he touched the ball, you can see the angle he's at. He's leaning forward. He's already going down. Jan Bednarak goes to put his hands away and he completely pulls out the challenge. And there is the slightest bit of contact where Martial sticks out his right foot and connects with Jan Bednarak. And that's what obviously Mike Dean said, contact penalty and his points to the spot. Awful decision, but he's given it. And the next point, and you know, I think the rules this season have been changing constantly and it is an absolute farce of a Premier League season in my opinion, but we saw it, David Luiz got sent off. It's about this attempting to play the ball and people are saying that if Jan Bednarak had tried to slide in and attempt to play the ball and missed it and clattered him, he gets a booking because it's not a double mm -hmm. jeopardy or however they call it, but because he's pulled out, he's got a red card for it. So that is surely a rule that, that needs to, to change. Me, it doesn't make me, sense. That's a, that's a miss, like... We've misconstrued the rule there because that rule is in place to stop people from just wiping out people exactly. as they go through on goal because that is where the issue was coming because there was no incentive um, to actually try and win the ball. You know what exactly. I mean? Like if you're genuinely trying to win the ball and you make a mistake, fine, you deserve to stay on the pitch and it's still a penalty. Now, what they're trying to do is get rid of those people that would just kick the legs out from underneath someone to stop them from going through. Jan Bednarak has actually tried to not make a tackle mm. and he's been done for that. He's been done on that same rule. It's just it, like, it's, it's just common comical. sense. It's common sense. And you see people tweet about it saying that referees don't understand football and things like that. And sometimes I think that goes too far, but genuinely it's common sense. And like you said there, is Jan Bednarak doing that intentionally? Obviously not. We're not going to send him off. And I completely agree. Sometimes when players are going through and the, and the defender has no chance of getting the ball and wipes him out, Definitely red card, but it's a red card and a penalty. Then it's red card and a penalty, but yeah. it's it's the way that they are interpreting the rules, and it's so matter of fact, and it's just ruining the game, and it's ruining all fun. It's already boring enough sitting here watching it at home, but when they're spending five minutes just analysing it and then coming to these awful decisions, it's genuinely taking any kind of enjoyment out of the game. The bit, the biggest frustration, biggest frustration for me is the fact that it was like the one of the worst dives I've seen in the Premier League season this season. Mm. Like he's going to ground, he's anticipating the contact and he's going to ground before Bednarak gets close enough to make any kind of contact on it. And the people that shout about contact and, oh, it's, it's contact, so it's a penalty. That's not how it works either. There is contact all around the football pitch. Has he tried to trip him? No, he's pulled out of the tackle. He hasn't tripped him. He's, Martial is waiting for the challenge to come in, starts to go down, feels a little bit of contact and then it's like, oh, that's a penalty then, is it? It's like, no, referees have to be stronger that when it's an obvious dive, and in this case, it is an obvious dive, mm. it's a booking and it goes the other way. And I think they hide behind too much about, oh, we, could, we, we don't know for sure. I mean, that's just so obvious. You could watch that replay a hundred times and you wouldn't think that, that was a foul. Yeah, I don't know if you saw it on your US coverage, but in, they were showing on BT Benarak as he was walking off the pitch and he's saying, Martial said it wasn't a foul. And they've obviously got the camera, so you can hear it clearly. And Martial did look a bit sheepish the way he was just looking at the floor. I think he, he knew he's absolutely conned the ref and he was a joke. You've been in those positions before on a football pitch. Like, you know whether it's a foul or not. And you know, because it's it's, it's natural that when you're anticipating contact, you're, you start to kind of, you, you think it's coming, so you start to go down. Like that That is what happens. It's natural for some players to do that. But we don't. that shouldn't be rewarded. Now, that's a dive, so it's a booking and it's a, it's a free kick the other way. That's why Martial would have been sheepish. I mean, it's just absolutely 
mind-boggling and it couldn't have been a worse ref to go to VAR because he's just never going to admit that he's got something wrong. He's far more likely to see some footage and think that it backs up his original decision and then to double down on it because he is a he's a joke. He is a joke. He is a joke. We've been we've been shafted, like you said, back to back games now, but in 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 general that performance was absolutely embarrassing. Um yeah. where, where do we go from it? Doesn't get it doesn't get away from the fact like yeah I can it, it feel it feels cathartic to have a go at Mike Dean and I'm exactly. sure there's people sitting there feeling exactly the same that he's had an absolute shocker doesn't take away from the fact that we've lost nine now we've conceded nine goals for the second time in two years and really the players have to take a long hard look at themselves I do think there's an absence of leadership in these situations and Ralph has to take a look at himself because ultimately like what have we learned what have we learned from the Leicester game nothing well, happened an again. interesting an interesting question would be what are the differences between that game and this game in terms of how do we feel after the game? A lot of people calling for Ralph's head after the Leicester game, thinking that, that, you know, he'd, I don't know, he was playing the wrong kind of formation and he got the team wrong. I don't think many people are calling for his head now. I think that people are more worried that he might just leave and think that he's absolutely ruined his reputation at this club at the moment, which maybe is a little bit more realistic. But, you know, I think with with the team and the depth and the injuries that we've been played with, over the last few weeks, like you said at the start, I think he said, actually an interesting point that he said in his post-match, he said helpless. He felt helpless. And I thought that was quite an, an yeah. interesting way of putting it because he's obviously turning around on his bench and he's seeing a bunch of 19-year-olds, two keepers and Nathan Redmond and his team's getting absolutely slaughtered on the pitch. And normally at that point, you'd want to sacrifice a striker and put a defensive player on. He yeah. just couldn't do it. He literally couldn't do it. Yeah. Um where do we go from here then, I guess? Um, on Ralph, I think you're right. The circumstances are very, very different. And now there is, for me, a genuine concern. I'd still be surprised if he left, but there is a genuine concern because nobody wants to put themselves through this professionally. You've got some pride in your job and you've, you've got some pride in what you've achieved as a coach. And he'll be hurting now. Um, you've seen the emotion that he shows on the sideline. We've seen the emotion ever since he's joined the club, whether it's celebrating in front of the fans, whether it was the tears against Liverpool after winning. He did look emotional at the final whistle today. And hopefully he just takes a big, deep breath, which I'm going to do after this podcast, and just think ultimately we've got 29 points. And people talking about, okay, there's priority now is just to stay up. Like, let's let's not overreact. We're 15 points clear of 18th we're not in danger of this is one game we're not in danger of relegation the danger is we let this affect future games and that is a legitimate concern and we've got to bounce back against Newcastle on Saturday but ultimately this is one fixture of 38 we've played 21 we've got 29 points we're in a really poor run of form we've got a lot of important players out injured as soon as they start to return I think the results will pick up because those players are much better than the ones that are playing at the moment, and because VAR, while we've slagged it off at the start, these things do tend to have a habit of they don't go against you every single week. We are due some luck, and like random variation means that it will happen eventually, that one of those offsides will go our way. Um, and if it means that we've just got all our bad luck out of the way in one go, then maybe that's a very small positive to take from it. Hopefully, Pat, because I mean, when that Shea Adams goal went in <laughs> and they started looking at, they started getting the lines out. I, I honestly thought that we were cursed at that point. <laughs> I thought, I thought that we would, I would never celebrate a Southampton goal ever again. 
in my life. But I think we've, it's difficult to end on a positive note, but I'm, I just saw wanted, some... just wanted to get your thoughts, sorry, just to interrupt you there, but you, what you mentioned about Ralph being helpless, we haven't discussed, we didn't, making the signing that we did, I mean, I mean, bringing him in, obviously no defensive reinforcements. Now that couldn't have been shown up any quicker, could it? One day later. That to me is huge, huge mismanagement from the Southampton board and from whoever's in charge of the transfers and whatever's going on there because letting Vokins go, who, you know, I don't think he's good enough, but he's better than backup that we have at the moment because it's Will Ferry now who's the left back that will have replacing Birchand who's, you know, injury prone himself. And then Jan Valery going to Birmingham City. So we're leaving ourselves so exposed. You've got Kane Ramsey coming on who started today, which I was actually happy that we we're playing a right back and not a midfielder out of position. But again, I think if if Ralph saw something in Kane Ramsey, he would have been part of the first team picture a lot sooner. He's been around for quite a long time. Crane Ramsey made his debut a few years ago. And it seemed to me that he played tonight, not because he deserves it, because he's been impressing in training. It was because we have no one else that can play right back. And it's not like we, we can look at the transfer window and say we planned this because we were literally ringing up every single Premier League club asking if they've yeah. got a spare fullback that we can give them, it seemed like, on, on deadline day. So, yeah, awful to be left in this situation. But I think Minamino, on a more positive note, I think, you know, we are lacking a bit of creativity going forward and easy to forget. You know, people look at his spell at Liverpool and think that he has been a bit of a flop, but easy to forget how quality he was for Salzburg in the Champions League. He scored a few goals for Liverpool already and there is a top player there. And I think I mean, it's, it's exciting. Another, if we it's get another game without a goal. Um, yeah, we have needed. been struggling creative, creatively to, to put chances there for, for Adams and Ings. Ings did miss a couple well, one absolute sitter today, but as you said, was putting himself about and you'd like to think those chances will start falling for him. I think Minamino will help Ings as well. Um, if It'll be interesting if we do see Adams did get dropped slash rested the other week. It'll be interesting to see what happens against Newcastle, whether Minamino's on the bench or I think Ralph might be, might be tempted to play him up top. Um, I think you play Shea Adams again. Okay. I think you've got to play him again. Yeah. I think he was class. Um, yeah. Obviously, Minamino can play in those number 10 positions, so maybe he'll slot in there. But I think he'll he'll boost Ings um, from a goal-scoring point of view because I think he does bring a little bit of creativity to, to the team. That We do have options there, but I like to think that he brings a little bit more to the table than, than Redmond. And, and Gineppo is, is kind of at the moment, it just seems to be a case of it's just not going for him at the moment. It's just potential. It's potential, potential, potential. And then he gets on the pitch and it's just not quite happening. Yeah, Gineppo is a, is a strange one. I think the way the team is playing in general yeah. doesn't help him because he, you know, he needs to play in a team that's given a lot of the ball and, you know, is a is a confident team. And at the moment, we're we're on the back foot a lot, and that's not helpful. But I just wanted to just to get off the transfers for a second. You know, kind of talk about it's obviously a massively negative point for Southampton at the moment. But like you said, we're on twenty nine points. If you go back to the Ronald Koeman season, I think it's fifteen sixteen. We went for a horrific spell over Christmas and New Year. I think we were without a winning, you know, over ten games. So these kind of blips happen. Nine nils obviously don't happen too often, so we need to bounce back from that. But yeah, I think the only way is up from, from tonight, <laughs> isn't it? The only way. Well, is we up. did, but we did, we did respond well when it happened before you'd like to think that the lessons were learned which means we wouldn't have to go through this again but we do um Newcastle away what do you what do you expect to see from the team there I guess a lot depends on on team news because we are waiting for these players to return 
Yeah, I mean, they obviously had a pretty disappointing result tonight, losing at home to Palace off the back of a brilliant win at Goodison Park. So, again, a team lacking a bit of consistency. But before the game tonight, I kind of, you know, I'd kind of written off tonight thinking that we were going to play okay and not get a result. And I was looking forward to Saturday's game a bit more and quite confident that we'd go to St. James's Park and beat them in I don't know whether that was misplaced confidence, but it's obviously going to be difficult coming off this result. But that Newcastle team isn't brilliant and we've got to be going there with Minamino on the, in the team, you know, full of confidence. But the only downside is if, if there's no Jan Bednarak, who's taking his place? Because that young French lad, I'll butcher his name, that came on today, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was at fault, I think, for, for Bednarak sending off. Um, I don't know whether Ralph will chuck in him there because he is a centre-back or... Who knows, mate? Who knows what other options we've got? I honestly can't think of what other options there would be for him um, if he didn't play. If Bednarak's not around, and I wouldn't expect him to be, and Vestergaard's not fit, which, again, I wouldn't expect him to be, your other options there really are, well, Romeo could have been an option at centre-back, but I don't think he's going to be able to make it. Ryan Bertrand, and then you put Will Ferry at left-back. I mean, Bertrand's played there before, yeah. but apart from three, I think it'll be a massive test apart from two. But we, we honestly, otherwise, it's a, it's throwing a teenager into the team. So, yeah. Um, I like you. I was very much looking forward to Saturday, and now I'm very much apprehensive about the team sheet and seeing who's going to be at the back. We can't we can't get Vestergaard back soon enough, and, and Walker Peters um, back soon enough because at the moment we are hanging on by a thread I think um, just in terms of the confidence level of the squad but anything else you just wanted to mention before we wrap things up I mean where's Salisu we're talking about centre-backs we're talking about centre-backs and we've signed a, you know 12-13 million pound centre-back in the summer he'd be perfect to call on right now wouldn't it be brilliant to be able to call on him but I think I don't know. I don't know, mate. It's it's so difficult to know where to go from here. You didn't think that would happen again, did you, after that Leicester result? We thought you'd learn your lessons and for it to happen again is so, so disappointing. And I think, you know, Ralph needs to do a lot of thinking about which players he, you know, he doesn't have too many options about which players are going to step up because, like you said, lessons haven't been learned from last season. Yeah. Um, a lot of players wilted in that situation and, yeah, five so, goals so in the final 20, 21 minutes. I mean, it was an absolute collapse. Exactly. I mean, I was chatting to my friend Oscar when it was 4-0 at half-time and he was saying, you know, these kind of games usually slow down. And he, he was kind of trying to console me. He was like, don't worry, mate, it'll be five or six max because United will take the foot off the pedal. And that's kind of usually what happens. But we just allowed them to keep coming and yeah. keep coming and keep coming. Yeah. And that is just, you know, naivety at the highest level. So disappointing and something's got to change. All right. We'll take, we'll take a big, deep breath. Um, we go again at the weekend. We'll be back. Hopefully Mike Dean's not in the middle. Yeah. I mean, Mike Dean and Lee Mason, are they following us around? Are they going to be appointed? <laughs> Am I going to log on to Twitter on Thursday and see that they've been appointed again? Um, be good to have a change, I think. Change of, uh, change of officiating crew might bring us a change in fortune. Um, so we'll catch up then after the Newcastle game. Fingers crossed for a slightly more positive result and a more positive performance. Can't really get much worse. You can't, mate. I'm just going to go finish off the Creative Australia's I've got downstairs. Enjoy. And, and yeah. But yeah, we'll speak to you on Saturday. Speak then. 